0: Welcome, everybody, to the Complete Student Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode. And today, we've got a very special guest, longtime friend of mine, awesome man, one of the smartest people I know, one of the fittest people I know. This is Nathan May.
1: Nathan, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Didn't know I was supposed to be on camera, so. That's okay. You look great. I'm
0: embarrassed wearing my Arsenal stuff. You look exactly how we wanted you to look today, like you. Well, okay, so let's jump into this. Today we're talking about what it looks like to be a coachable person, um, a great teammate, and I just kind of want to start off by getting to know, letting our audience get to know you a little bit better. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us, you know, what you do, um, where do you coach, all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, so I have a day job. I work at, I'm an analytics guy at TD Ameritrade, but I feel like I spend almost more time coaching soccer. I coach at Sporting Omaha, and I work with the 03s, um, born in 2003, so they're juniors and seniors at this point, and that's boys. And then I also help out with the girls at Westside High School. So those are kind of my, my two big coaching assignments at the moment. I've previously helped out with the Olympic Development Program in the area. Sweet. So yeah, keeps nice. Keeps me busy.
0: Yeah. Very much so. So uh, tell us a little bit about like how you got your start um, into the soccer world. Uh, Tell us about your history as a player and then as a coach as well.
1: Sure. So I don't have a super exciting history as a player. Um, I mean, I grew up here. Um, I played here. I did the club soccer thing. I think I probably got into it later than a lot of people. Um, I didn't start playing club soccer until I was uh, like 15 or 16, where most kids start playing select soccer when they're younger, so that's kind of, I guess, some uniqueness to my story, but I was pretty much playing rec when I was younger, and I was really good at it, and so eventually I uh, I played select and eventually premiere, and then I went on to, I played in college at Simpson College, which is a smaller school, had some success there, but, you know, not anything super exciting, but I've definitely been involved with with the game for a while, and I've stayed involved since college. So where did you, uh, where did you end
0: up playing in high school? I played at Bellevue West. Yes. Bellevue West Thunderbirds. Love it. (laughs) We were very good though. I I, (laughs) I did a lot better at club. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. So, but how did you kind of get into coaching? Like what, uh, maybe tell us a little bit about like why you got into coaching from going from transitioning
1: from a player to, to becoming a coach. Sure. Yeah. So I, I started coaching my junior year in college, coaching at the high school level um and that was again me seeing like that soccer was getting ready to be done and I just really like soccer and it was a big part of my life and just trying to stay involved with the sport and that's how it started so that was the mentality when I started coaching as I was still a player but I just wanted to continue my my life in the game or time in the game um and so even those first few years of coaching it's just like you know you live for just jumping in the drills and playing or yeah. You know, playing practice and whatnot. But it's definitely changed over time where it's, they always, you always hear all the the old head coaches talk about how it's relationships keep them in the game and whatnot. And that's very true because I think that the younger guys who get into the game like me or get into coaching like I did, they don't stick with it if it's not relational. So um, I definitely feel that transition happening in my mentality over yeah. the last few years. Um, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's cool. No, I, I like that. Uh, even as, you know, as a youth pastor myself, it's like if if at some level, like we don't have a relationship with the students and it doesn't become worth it anymore, that's, that's the key point. So um, as you kind of look at your coaching career so far at this point, what have been some of your highlights as a coach? Some of the things that you look back on, you'd say like, yeah, that was that was definitely worth my time and investment with these kids.
1: Sure. So I guess I, I, I'll, I'll go, I'll give you two. And one of them is more just a fun soccer story. And one of them is more relational all for fun. and yeah. So two years ago, coaching the West side girls, we had a, we were down here talent wise, um, bunch of really good kids, but we just had graduated a lot of good players, um, it was just one of those years and so nobody really expected us to do much and we kind of looked around on the roster and like we had some good players but it maybe wasn't we didn't have super high expectations yeah. and you know 2 weeks into a season our best player goes down with her second ACL in 2 years and she was a division 1 recruit and so she was like one of the big players that we were like expecting. I remember you telling me about this. We're going to go as far as as she can take us.
0: I remember you telling me about this because at the same time I had just torn my ACL for a second time as well. And so you were like, oh yeah, one of my, one of the girls on my team just tore her ACL for the second time. And I remember being like, it's the way it goes, man.
1: Yeah. It's (laughs) it's brutal. It's brutal. But, uh, so anyway, so after that, it was just like kind of, you know, house money as far as the season went and we ended up, to get into state, we beat, we won a game and then we beat the second ranked team in the state in the craziest game I've ever been a part of. And it was, uh, we were down 1 0, seconds in, 2 0, five minutes in. Oh, <laughs> and they had a girl playing up front who was just like a beast. Like I, she's playing Division I right now. And uh, so it was just brutal. And then eventually, we scored a goal. We crawled a goal back with maybe 20 minutes to go. So it was two one. And so we're like, all right, literally 15 seconds after the next play, they score three, one. Mm. And so it's just, you know, takes the wind out of your sails. But in the, in the very end, we scored two goals, tied it up and then won an overtime. And it was just like, it was the most insane game I've ever been a part of. And just the atmosphere yeah. on the bus ride back from Lincoln was uh, it was pretty fun. Bunch of
0: girls in the bus just yeah, screaming. Just, that just sounds like a riveting
1: time. <laughs> it was a good time because, you know, they, they gutted it out. It wasn't easy. but And so that was just a really fun experience that, you know, you get to share with a group of people that, you know, I still have the the newspaper in my, my office at home that it's just like, I'll always think that that was fun. Yeah. And so that's a fun experience that we share with that group of people. As far as relation, like this year has been really rewarding because all these club guys that I've had for several years are starting to commit to schools and, Mm -hmm. you know, you start to see the enthusiasm that they get to go have playing at the next level that I had. And so just to have a small part in their youth soccer experience is humbling. Um, And it's like not something I really ever expected um, to have that kind of impact. So it's, it's cool to see. Yeah,
0: that's cool. I like that. Yeah. That's where that investment really pays off. So, um, just kind of, as we are talking about coaching students and whatnot, like what, in your experience, what has made for a really
1: coachable person? So it's super necessary that coaching is kind of a two-way street, Mm -hmm. I think. So when I think the definition of coachable, some people might think like, oh, if I tell you to do something, you're going to do it, you know, Mm -hmm. regardless of what I tell you to do. And to me, that's not coachable. To me, it's kind of a two-way street because especially dealing with, you know, high school age kids, I think it's really natural to question authority or to question the way of things. It's just natural for the age. So... I think having that back and forth, and so if I'm a coach and I'm in power or the person with influence, um, you're supposed to do what I tell you, but I think that in order to really learn and have the best possible outcome of that relationship is you're questioning and trying to understand the motives behind it, and so that's your job, but then my job is also to see that as well and help you to understand why I might be asking you to do something you don't want to do or something you don't necessarily agree with or that you're questioning. Um, So to answer your question, I think to be coachable, you have to be open to instruction, but also be able to make decisions for yourself and also understand that I could tell you something and I'm a human and it could be totally wrong right? Because I don't get it right all the time. And maybe it's your job being that coachable person to say, Hey, that's great. What about this? Like, so I think that there's a back and forth there that is, is super important. Yeah, definitely. Um, high schoolers are really good at questioning things. Uh, which is good. I think that's, that's, I think that's why I like high schoolers.
0: Yeah, no, that's, I mean, We're not here to talk about parenting, but that's probably some really good parenting advice too, like embrace the questions. Uh, Would you say that when you were a player that you were a really coachable player?
1: So I think that I was always trying to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. I think that I got frustrated with certain things Mm -hmm. sometimes, so I think that was difficult for me, and I'd kind of stew on my own. I would say that, yes, I was coachable because I would always try to come up with a resolution on what I can do, but it wasn't always easy. I don't always do the greatest with authority back in my, in my young squirrely days and still now, to be honest. Um, but I think I, I consider myself a coachable person, but it's, I don't think it's always pretty like to me when i'm coaching kids i don't want the ones who are just quiet cuz you can talk you can give them some complicated instruction and they'll just nod their head and you don't know if you, they heard that yeah. right so yeah. it's i think it's it's good to have that back and forth and be willing to have a bit of character and a little bit of personality with yeah. it when you receive instruction
0: totally i guess it's probably coming from a uh, player to now being a coach just kind of things that you see and learn along the way. So uh, what about for a teammate? Because soccer is not an individual sport. You know, you've got like the tennis and um, wrestling where you have all these individual sports, but a huge component to soccer and other team sports, basketball, football, is like being a really good teammate. And so as you look across your team, what would you say makes for some really great teammates?
1: To me, a great teammate elevates the group, right? Right. And I think it's it's really easy to pick out the ones in a group who are maybe a wet blanket on the whole atmosphere or the ones who are really pushing everyone forward. So whether that's something as simple as, you know, being enthusiastic in the warm-up or, you know, having all your stuff ready to go, um, that's all that all translates, right? Because if you're the guy who's, you know, taken forever to put your shoes on or whatnot it it makes a big difference. It sounds like one of those those silly things that people talk about, but it just makes a big difference just to be prepared and to be focused in trying to carry out the task that the group needs to carry out whether you're you know the lead top of the pile guy on a team or just, you know, anybody on the team. It's it's important that everyone is focused on the task at hand. Yeah. Have you
0: seen? I didn't. I didn't ask you this question beforehand, but have you seen some of maybe the lower skilled players become some of the best teammates just because of their attitude or their preparation? Uh, so I'm. I'm going to go off
1: on a tangent here. Okay. Because I think that it it deserves it. So as far as lower skilled, I think once you get to the high school level, there's. There's kind of you can group kids into two different categories in the competitive soccer world. And that's one is that they've kind of been a high level performer their whole life, like 10 years old and on up. They've always been like where I coach the club that I coach at. There's multiple teams in each age group. Right. So they could be they're the first team guy, um, always have excelled. And they've been that way since they're 10 years old till, you know, 18 years old. Yeah. So there's those types of kids and then there's ones who have had to struggle a little bit mm-hmm. or have maybe been a third team kid and a lot of a lot of times you know maybe they play until they're 13 and then they're done. Mm-hmm. But then the ones who stick with it and who are driven, maybe they're a third team kid 10 through 14, maybe they're a second team kid for a couple of years and then all of a sudden they're a top team kid. Mm-hmm. Those types of kids are very different than the one they're just their mentality is so much different than the top team the whole way. Yeah. So I'm I, I I always think like if you have a team of 18 or whatever of kids who have always been top of the pile, your team culture probably isn't the greatest. Because I think you need those guys who have that sort of push the group on mentality. Those ones who have had to struggle a little bit because to be I mean, that's life like sports are a microcosm of life. And, you know, sometimes people have it have it all figured out and they can, they, they've always done well. And other times you have to struggle a little bit, but I think that in a team sport, both of those mentalities are valued. Yeah, so. that's cool.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting twist on it, that those, those other guys who maybe don't have the best skill kind of really do create the culture almost in, sure. in their competitive and, nature.
1: And I mean, I'll, I'll put myself in that bucket too, because I went to – I was on a pretty high-performing club team, and two of the guys that I went to school with, I played club with, and one of them, and both of them were just really high-level players, like state accolades type of guys, and one of them lasted about a week cause, in school, because he wasn't the best player, and he'd always been the best player in every environment he's ever been. The other one lasted about, I think he lasted one season, and he transferred out, whereas I was a lower level performer to all those guys, and not to pat myself on the back, but I was like, when I got inserted into that environment where everyone was better than me, like I was like, I'm I'm used to this, yeah. like I've done this before. Yeah. Um. So, I think it's it's just important to have those those different mentalities and you know understanding that people are in a different place than you sometimes, and things aren't always go the way that you expect it to go. I guess. I yeah.
0: No, that's cool. Um, when you look at, you know, the the makeup of the players on the team, there's always the one or two guys who maybe are going to get to put on that captain armband on the field or, you know, whether it's – I'm talking about soccer, but, you know, basketball, football, there's only a few guys who get deemed to be the captain of the team. And so when you look at, look across your team, like what what for you makes for a great captain of the team?
1: So – this might, be, this might derail the question a little bit, but for my, for my club team, and a lot of coaches do this too, we don't have captains. Okay. And f- the, the reasoning behind that is because it's, a, it's kind of a status thing, right? Like if, if I give somebody a captain armband or whatnot, then they might, it might go to their heads a little bit. I don't know. For me, my philosophy, and I address this with the kids, is it's like everybody can be a captain on a certain day right? Like, it's not like we have one person whose job is to drag everybody else along. We're pushing each other along. Cause if I'm the captain and I'm having a a crappy day and my attitude is terrible, then Jay is there to kick me in the pants and say like, let's go. Like, like, and to me, I, I find that with kids that works better because we bring the status thing out of it. And it's just, everyone is being a good teammate. Like we talked about, we're just pulling the group forward rather than, Putting that responsibility on one person.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a good mentality. I have never thought about that. Um, being a,
1: well, a f- it's different with I, I guess with adults and whatnot. Like when we look at professional teams, it's, I think it's a little different.
0: Right, totally. There's always that captain, and a lot of times ends up being the best player. I mean, Rooney, he's got the goods, dude. He's got the goods. Um, when you are just kind of thinking about when I'm thinking about myself. My own career as a basketball player, I played basketball kind of same level as you as a soccer player, like definitely not the best, but tried to push, push along. And, um, you know, there were moments where I remember feeling like, man, I deserve some more playing time in this game, right? Like you're maybe a, a role player and you've been working hard in practice and you know that you're not the starter, but you feel as a, as a teammate or as a player, like, you know what? I I feel like I deserve more. What kind of encouragement would you give to to that player who's like, you know what? I'm trying to put in the extra effort. I'm trying to put in the extra time. When is that going to pay off for me?
1: Yeah, so that's a it's a it's an interesting question because I mean, in a, I mean, it depends on the environment you're in, but in a highly competitive environment, you could you could struggle to get chances and it it is what it is. Um I'd say my advice to anyone in that circumstance is just to, you know, stay ready, continue to do control the things you can control, be a good teammate, practice hard, pull the group forward like I I talked about, but it's, it's just doing those little things right and hopefully stack good days on top of each other. But I mean, it is difficult. Um, I don't, want to pretend like it's it's not frustrating to be in that situation and I think that it's it's healthy to be frustrated if I have somebody on a team who's maybe not getting those opportunities it's a good thing to be frustrated because that means you care and you want to be a part of it Um, but I'd say just continue to realize that even if you're sitting on the bench you have a role with the team and understanding that it's not the results like of getting to play or getting to start or that status symbol that goes along with that. It's the process and being with a group and being able to contribute in training or on the sidelines um, and just trying to be process-minded over result-minded is really important because the results don't always go our way, but when we're process-minded and we're in the moment, like we'll always have – We'll always have that. Yeah, I guess. Does that answer your question? Yeah, for sure, that does. Okay. Uh, it is difficult though. Like I'm not, I'm not belittling it, and there's there's people who are gonna struggle with it, always. But I'd say just continue to stay ready. Um, you know. We play for the love of the game. <laughs> well, yeah. And, I mean, even if you don't agree with, with your coach and you think that you're better than you are, I mean, all you can do is, is control what you control and do the best that you can do. Like, And after that, it's beyond your control.
0: That's very true. Like you mentioned earlier, sports are just a microcosm of life. So that's kind of how it goes. Um, I want to um, switch gears a little bit, and I want to talk about connecting our faiths. Uh, to our athletics. And so, um, you know, that's kind of what we have designed this podcast to be all about is connecting our faith to these other areas of our life. So um, what role for you has your faith played
1: into uh, you as a coach? So I think the biggest thing as a coach is just humility. Um, It makes it, it's, to me, Humility, both as a player and as a coach in any sort of athletic arena, is extremely important because I think there's no growth in your faith or athletics or your job or whatever you're trying to improve at. There's no growth without humility, like, and there's the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset, which is, if you're in a fixed mindset, you know, you're not changing how you think. People, Jay and I's age, oftentimes get into a fixed mindset. Younger people, hopefully you're in a you're in a growth mindset in that you know maybe somebody knows something that I don't I'm part of something bigger than myself. Let's just do the best that I can um, support the people who are around me and try to be the best person that I can be at any given moment um, makes a big difference as a player and as a coach, I think it's being able to be empathetic in those, those situations and not, and knowing that, you know, maybe an individual is not happy with their role or wants something more. And it's being able to relate to that and help them through that in a way that is beneficial to everyone, not just saying like, all oh, you want to play, like go and play. It's understanding that again, it's a microcosm of life and we have to work through these things in our own way. Nice. Awesome, thank you so much, Nathan,
0: for that your was time quick. today. That was it? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, any, any, any other questions? closing thoughts uh, as it relates to to being a, a player coach? Uh, any advice that
1: you would give to those players out there? Oh man, asking asking a question off the books. I didn't ask for any of this. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> That's okay.
0: Okay. One more thing. Um, if people want to fo- find you, I know that you're on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle?
1: I don't I don't really post on Instagram. I think it's NathanMay41.
0: NathanMay41. You can catch all of his amazing 10-mile runs and times, all the other good things that are going on with Nathan. Again, thank you so much for being with us today, and uh, we appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to
1: hearing more. Thanks, Jay. Hopefully I didn't say anything dumb.